Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode 217 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. And Steph. And this is a very special, shorter episode for you, but we have an awesome guest. An article that we love was released in Rolling Stone a few days ago by Brittany Spanos titled, Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do. Are fans ready for her darkest era yet? And we just loved this article, so we reached out to Brittany and we're really excited to chat with her over the weekend. She had some really great insights about the song and what to expect from the rest of the album. And as you've probably noticed by this point, it seems like Taylor is not planning to really go into a full promotional kind of mode for reputation. In fact, on Instagram, Taylor posted, There will be no further explanation there will just be reputation. And she included a photo of the Target magazine that is really interesting. Target is going to have exclusive magazines, two different editions to go along with the release of the album. And our belief is that that's the only kind of interview with the media Taylor will be doing, which is really, really smart in a lot of ways. But As a result of that, we just don't think we're going to be having a lot of promotional material. So we want to go straight to sources like Rolling Stone and Billboard and people who review and write about music so that we can talk about Taylor. So you're going to be seeing a lot more of this type of coverage from us coming up soon. We have a Billboard episode with someone that we also recorded, which is going to be coming out very shortly. And we had our Perez Hilton episode, which was episode 215 that came out at the end of last week. So we hope you're enjoying this and that you'll stick with us as we try and see what Taylor's going to do and talk to some really interesting people. So here is our chat with Brittany Spanos. We are so excited. Brittany Spanos from Rolling Stone is on the line with us right now. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hi, thank you for joining Thank you guys so much for having me. We're just really excited to, as Taylor embarks on this new era, get to talk to so many different media outlets because, as you mentioned in your article that came out yesterday, this is the boldest move she's ever made in her entire career. Yeah, it was it was great to sort of see what this new era would bring. I think we were all kind of waiting to see what she would do next now that she has like fully transitioned to pop, like what would be the next move and... I think a lot of people were super shocked by it. And this is the first time that leading up to an album being announced, we had literally no information. We hadn't seen her in public. We had no idea what she was doing, what was influencing her, what sound she might be going towards, anything. So I was just curious to know, 
somewhere like Rolling Stone, what sort of the buzz was around your team or your office or what people were talking about before we had any info? I mean, Taylor's team keeps things pretty tight. So I was not at Rolling Stone yet when she did the 1989 era. So I know that we like, we had a big exclusive with that. I remember we had like information long before. Um, But with this, like she's doing her own magazines. I really don't know if there's a lot of press that she's going to be doing because it seems like she's sort of steering clear of that. But yeah, like we, we had been talking about it. A lot of us assumed that the album would come last year, but we had no, and that was basically just off of like, she usually releases album albums every two years in the fall. Like we just sort of had been expecting it last year. And we also were, I mean, a lot of journalists are always in fear of what surprise album would be next. So we had no idea if Taylor would do a surprise drop this time around. Um, I mean, there was very, very little until she actively, you know, announced stuff and started posting and cleared her social media. And that was sort of the beginning of us being like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I personally was hoping that she would have an exclusive that came out with Rolling Stone because the one for 1989 was so great and got me so excited when I got to hear so much information just in that one article. Yeah, the Rolling Stone pieces always get so much more information and ask insightful questions. So I'm kind of bummed that it sounds like there won't be one this time. Yeah, yeah, it seems like she's going very like Beyonce with her just approach to press and approach to marketing herself for this new album. Um, I would be pretty surprised if she did a lot of interviews around it. I think there's like a lot of stuff that she may not even want to like dredge back up or address beyond the music. Um, So I think it would be it would be fascinating to read a profile of her around this time, but I, I would be actually surprised this time around if she did a lot of a lot of stuff with the media and with press. Yeah, I was just imagining because I was thinking back to the other one where she met with the reporter, I think, in the Central Park for part of it. And I was like, what is this one going to say? Like, we met as Taylor Swift was hiding out under umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, would lo- I would love to read a profile of her um, around this era, but it seems this era seems a little bit more isolated in a lot of ways. I think like 1989, there was so much like fan-centric um, press that she had done before and promotion and things that she really did that were more communal. And so it seems like this one is very much like just Taylor. So it'd be very fascinating to see like if she does, if she does any other type of promotion other than releasing the music and her videos ahead of time. Well, kind of along those lines too, what you said about it being more isolating. I wonder if we're going to get way more songs or even the majority of the album that she wrote by herself, if she's just involving less collaborators in general yeah i feel like her and jack antonoff might be doing a lot of the album together i think that they like ha- they have such a fruitful collaboration for 1989 and so i wouldn't be surprised if she went full like the way that laura did with melodrama and like jack antonoff is her just like trusted partner in this in this album but i'm also curious like if there's going to be a lot more sampling and interpolations i was so surprised to have to hear the right set bread, you know, interpolation for the chorus. And I think it would be really fascinating if that's also a direction that she explores because she's one of the few people who really hasn't done that in her career. Yeah, I think that is a really good point. Earlier this week, I was thinking 
I wonder if Max Martin or Johann Schellback will be involved. But now that I've actually heard the song, I'm thinking maybe they won't. And maybe it will just be Taylor, Jack. And I did love the Right Said Fred edition. I think it was brilliant. And it would be great to see her using other elements like that from different songs. Yeah, I think she'd be really great at using a lot of different types of music samples and things like that. I think it would be a really good sort of experiment for her. And so I'm curious just sort of about the process of reviewing a song. Obviously, when a song drops or an album drops, you know, you have to get coverage out so quickly. What's that process like? Do you have time to actually process the song or is it just like a mad scramble to get coverage up? It's different every time. So um, I'll talk specifically about this drop because there was very little information, very little teasers, like it, other than the snake videos and the album cover and album title. Um, there was very little leading up to it. And I mean, with someone like Taylor, there's definitely a lot of tears we have to consider when we're covering songs like this. And someone like Taylor is such a huge star in general and on a very uh, universal level. and for our audience as well. Like our audience, we have a long relationship with Taylor and we've been covering her since the beginning. So someone like her, we definitely have to go all out with our coverage and we have to make sure that we're very thoroughly reporting on it in a way that really gets at what this era will mean and kind of looking to the future and kind of building that base for how we're going to cover it for the rest of the album cycle. So we definitely plan to do a reaction piece. So I was put on the duty of writing the piece that um, we had connected over about her darker era, um, just because I, I've been a long time Taylor Swift fan, and I just, I kind of, I don't want to say, like, studied her music forever, but I mean, like, I feel like I have a, a pretty good understanding of her different eras and her directions and her lyrics and her songs, and so I was put on that duty. We have list that we put out, we did a lot of reporting on sort of what she's been up to since 1989, because like you said earlier, she had been really, she'd been mostly quiet for the last year, but there was a few pop-ups with writing other songs for people, and the Zane song, and a couple of her, like, more tabloidy situations, and so we tried to really catch people up on what she's been doing, and what has sort of laid the groundwork for her return. So we had to really kind of come at it from all angles because someone like Taylor is people want to know and people want to know what the song's about. They want to know where she's coming from, what she's been doing, what she's been up to and what we're going to get from this new album. It's so interesting to hear about that process. Is it competitive then? Do reporters really compete over which songs and artists they get to review? Not really. I mean, our team is great. I, love all my coworkers on both the print and website and I think we all are very aware of where our strengths lie and people like me and Rob Sheffield who is number one Taylor Swift fan um, and his writing is some of the best out there on Taylor like we kind of like switch off on pop stuff typically and yeah I mean it's not super competitive I think really the competition is making sure that we do the best possible reporting and writing on these things, but also make sure that we get it up in a very timely fashion. So my job was as soon as the song dropped, like I had to kind of start mulling over what my piece would be and get that up as early in the morning as possible. So does that mean you pulled an all-nighter? It wasn't too late, but it was was much later than I usually am up. 
but yeah, because especially given the teasers that she had given, um, it was nice to sort of have that kind of laying the groundwork of what to expect from the era and what to expect from the song. And then kind of hearing the song really made it a lot easier just because it fit into what I had been sort of mulling over in my head of what to kind of expect from the Reputation era. I think we were all sort of prepared and expecting the darker message, but maybe not as much expecting the delivery of just how intense the song would actually sound. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I've been really hoping, I didn't go too deep into my own personal, like, expectations for Taylor, but I've long wanted her to do kind of, not, like, super villainy, but I've always wanted her to be sort of like a a pop antagonist. Like, I think that she's been a very pure character in pop music and a a very, like, innocent um, persona that's really marked a lot of her music and a lot of her songwriting and her lyrics. And I think that, like, I mean, her the last two years after 1989 have been some of her most controversial. And so I was like, kind of, I was like, I would love for her to own that, especially after songs like Blank Space and, and Bad Blood. I had never... We, we really never had gotten that much of like an angry Taylor before. So I had been hoping that whatever came out of this would be a little bit, a little bit feistier than we had been getting before. Um, even though I also really love just like more sensitive, intimate songwriting from Taylor as well. But yeah, I've been sort of hoping for a darker era and I'm glad that it seems like it's, it's going to be a lot more just like a little, little evil Taylor. And we'll be right back with more conversation with Brittany. And so your article closed on a really interesting question. It said, will one of Pop's biggest, most fervent fan bases cheer on her gritty new direction, or will her followers mourn the loss of the old Taylor she finally saw fit to kill off? And I personally, I think she is very smart. I think she knows what she's doing and has a 100% solid plan in place. But I am really interested to see if the fan base will change and how people will adjust to this. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be interesting. I think her fans are ready for whatever she does next. I think she's one of those artists where she's at a good point in her career where she's already kind of settled into her adult career, which is always the biggest, I think, hurdle for a lot of young stars who start off as teenagers and start off with one image when they're, you know, 16, 17 and making it in business. And we see that all the time with what people experiment with to kind of show that they're mature. And Taylor had already done that. She had already shown that she's a mature adult doing music. I mean, she's um, like 28 now. Like she's settled in. She made a very natural transition from being writing about sort of teenage problems to more adult issues. So she's kind of in that realm of being safe with knowing with her audience knowing that the issues are going to naturally evolved because she's done it pretty seamlessly over the course of each album so i like i personally think that a lot of those bands will kind of come through but i think for people who are already on the fence with taylor it might be more difficult i feel it's going to be very jarring for people who maybe just got into her because of 1989 and now this is like a whole new era of that and will that will that make those fans stick around or will that kind of put them off Yeah, I think we often always talk about a quote from when she was younger where she said, I'll never change, but I'll never stay the same. And that's just proven true time and time again. This is obviously the biggest change that we've seen, but at the end of the day, we all know her heart is still the same. Her talent is 
just only keeps growing and she still continues to hold on to the things that made her so successful, even as she looks like a totally different Taylor. Yeah, I, I remember for myself, I was really obsessed with her Red Era. And I mean, All Too Well is still, I think, one of her greatest songs. And it's my favorite song by her. And so I remember going into 1989, and I was like, I'm probably not going to like like this as much as I liked Red. Like Red really got to me and was my favorite album. And then she really found a way. And you wouldn't know that off the lead singles, which is the other thing with Taylor is that her singles are, she always chooses the just like more straight pop songs of her, of her albums. And she has really great deep cuts um, compared to a lot of other pop artists out there. Like she's always been really good with being a full album artist, even when the album was kind of dying for a bit. And so she, I remember like listening to 1989 and I was like this, I mean, it felt like a really natural progression from Red. There was still a lot of that kind of pop rock sound to it, even while she was moving to the more like synth-focused 80s influence. And it was just a very smart way of not doing a really jarring transition from one album to the next. Like it kind of kept a lot of the elements of the last album while kind of naturally moving towards her future. Yeah, absolutely. And especially what you just said about how she has such great deep cuts. That's why I was so excited when she finally came back to streaming services, because I thought that that will give the general public a chance to discover all these songs of hers that they probably otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, she's a she's a really great album artist. And I think I've I mean, I've always been sort of tepid to her lead singles. And I mean, Shake It Off is I love that song, but that's not my favorite song on 1989 and and it doesn't even necessarily sound like the rest of the songs on it exactly i mean it's like shake it off and welcome to new york feel very separate from kind of what the the real heart of 1989 is and i was talking with a few other friends and they're always they said like historically every single taylor lead single they enjoy but then it's really the rest of the album and kind of those second third singles that get to what the actual era is about so that's the interesting thing with um with Look What You Made Me Do is what what is the rest of the album going to sound like? And what, like, this is only just kind of the tip of the iceberg of what reputation is going to be. Yeah, she's just so good at choosing a lead single that will get everybody's attention. It gets everybody talking, but it's not necessarily what the whole album will be. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Shake It Off was also just, like, really jarring to people who had never really listened to her before. And, um or like had certain expectations for her sound. And then listening to the full album, it definitely felt like, like Shake It Off feels like it could be really any type of pop single. Like I feel like a lot of artists could have, you know, done a song that sounded exactly like Shake It Off and, you know, it would have been a big hit. And I think Taylor is like, she's so good at choosing those songs that are going to really, like you said, capture people's attention and get them talking about this new era. And then kind of like, hit them in the gut with songs like Style or Out of the Woods that are just so, so perfectly Taylor. So another thing I was wondering is, just as a journalist, I would want to know, if you did have the chance to interview Taylor at any point during this era, what are some of the top things that you might want to ask her? Hmm. I think, I'm just curious about, is pop the kind of, long-standing goal like will that be the continuing goal for the rest of her career because I think that what would be interesting is will she keep pursuing different sounds in pop or 
is the goal to kind of continue exploring different genres and exploring different styles of music and um, kind of every few albums really shifted up. And I would be really curious about that. I'm really curious about the influences, especially kind of like that Peaches sound, which is was also really surprising about the new single and um, kind of doing these like darker noir influences. Like what is she listening to? What are what sort of ways the sonic groundwork and musical groundwork for this new era? And yeah, I think that I'd like to know a little bit more about her musical partnership with Jack Antonoff. Um, I mean, I think Lord really got into a lot of their very specific way of working together. So I'm curious what Taylor and Jack's own kind of what brings their musical chemistry together. Absolutely. And if he has been her main collaborator for the entire album, that will be, I think, so fascinating to see. I don't think we can necessarily predict that quite yet, but I would love that because Melodrama is up until now, my favorite album of the year. Yeah, I mean, his work with Melodrama was really exquisite. And so I'm really excited to, to hear what, what him and Taylor can do if he is if he ends up being sort of that full album collaborator, which I, I feel like seems like the right direction for, for both of them. So before we go, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you on social media? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm on Twitter very frequently and at uh, oh hey Brittany O H H E Y B R I T T A N Y and everything you can find all my work and I link out to a lot of my stories um, through there. Awesome. Well, we're all going to be keeping our eyes peeled just in case the unexpected exclusive does pop up. Fingers crossed. And we can't wait to see more coverage from you throughout the rest of the era. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this special episode. As we mentioned earlier, stay tuned for much more like this coming from us very soon. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can do that either from iTunes on your computer or when you're in the podcast app on your phone. And when you hit the subscribe button, that will automatically notify you every time we put out new episodes, which will be very frequently from now until we lead up to the album, much more than our usual once a week episode. And you can also follow us on social media to keep up with everything throughout the week and talk to us. We're at SwiftCast13 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. And you can email us at SwiftCast13show at gmail.com. And all of this information is also on our website, which is SwiftCast13.com. So for now, for episode 217, this has been Ashley. And Steph. And we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.